0: On today's show, the start of our Houston Rockets media series, focusing on the media members that cover your Houston Rockets. On today's episode, Jonathan Fagan, his journey into sports media, some of his favorite stories and moments covering the Houston Rockets over all these years, as well as expectations and predictions going into this upcoming season. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets.
1: This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shagoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari no! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six.
0: What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And as always... Thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is the Houston Chronicle beat writer for your Houston Rockets, Jonathan Fagan, who you can track down on Twitter or whatever it's called these days, at Jonathan underscore Fagan. Jonathan, so excited to have you here on the program because it's your job to write and tell stories about others for a living. But today, I'm going to have you tell your own stories on today's show so that we can get to know you a little bit better. You think you're up for the challenge?
1: Anything you like.
0: <laughs> I don't know why you'd
1: choose that, but your show. Well, hey, you're here.
0: look, you're my, you're my guinea pig in all this, right? I had this marvelous idea to run like a Rockets media series because, first off, I read your work all the time, as do, I'm sure, many others of our audience and people who don't listen to this show, right? Because... You, me, many of the other media members that cover the team, we're the way that fans stay plugged in and get to know these players and get to know what's happening with the team. And so I thought it'd be an interesting little avenue to see, you know, what got you into sports media, how you started covering this team, some of your favorite anecdotes and stories and observations from being around the team so many years. So let's start right there. How did you find yourself in how did you find yourself in this career field? How did you decide to get into sports media in the first place?
1: Well, it's actually a, a pretty wild story. Um, like most of my stories it also shows my age. But so I'm in college and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's the end of my sophomore year and I go to the career planning and placement office and take a personality profile test. And so this is back you know, before computers were used for everything, so the little number two pencil, it take three or four days for the results. I come back in to get the results, and they say, this is the guy. And, like, all the employees come around. And they said, we've never seen this happen. It gave us 12 occupations, 11 are in journalism. Uh, at that time, I had never taken a course. Um, so I... Signed up for the start of my junior year, took as many English and journalism courses. I took every journalism course they had before I graduated, Uh, but I became an English major, and that's where it started, was from that personality profile test. And then a year or so later, I'm working at the student newspaper at the University of Delaware, and uh, I'm covering the police beat, Uh, what they would call cop shop. And Ralph Sampson's coming to town with Virginia to play University of Delaware. Delaware in those days, even these days to a degree, but definitely those days, did not play the Ralph Sampson's of the world. And the guy who was supposed to be the beat guy covering the basketball team decided to play one more year of college lacrosse. Well, at the time, I was playing basketball every day, and people at the paper knew this. And they said, well, this guy plays. Let's get him out here tonight. He'll cover the game, and we'll find somebody to be on the beat after that. And I covered that game, and I never went back to the cop shop. Uh, I've been covering basketball. I covered a lot of college football and high schools and a hundred other things. But basically, I've been covering sports ever since.
0: I'm glad you covered the the angle of basketball, too, because I know that you're you're a big time baseball guy as well. And so, you know, I I was curious how exactly you fell into the basketball side of things, because for some people, maybe they dabble in another sport. But then so you, you played a lot of basketball and then you just found yourself in the fortuitous position of being able to fill in for a basketball beat writer and you just fell in love with it from there.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, basketball is so far and away number one for me that, well, you know, I, I think you and I have spoken about this. You get a certain number of days off, or at least evenings off during the year. And I watch basketball. You know, I might have a night off between Rockets games, I'm watching League Pass. And I always have been this way. I mean, my hero growing up was Willis Reed. Uh, The Knicks were my team. Uh, I couldn't, like, in in baseball, for example, I I grew up a Yankees fan, but I really liked Tom Seaver. I I thought Tom Seaver was a great role model. Uh, I was like, whatever. Well, because my passion for it wasn't at the same level to where, no. Basketball, it was Knicks, and in my case, it was Willis-Reed. And it's funny, when I did play any baseball, I would get number 19, Willis Reed's number, because it wasn't a very popular number for a baseball guy, and so a bad player like me could I'll take nineteen and get it <laughs> and so you know that I, I, and like I said, in college, I was playing almost every day, and so uh now that was the the sport for me
0: what about what about basketball do you love so much?
1: I love it all, Uh, you know. But you know, I'm one of the. Calvin Murphy said this to me once: "You're never in a bad mood on the day you're in a gym," and I feel that way. You know, I, I I love the interaction. I love the way players make one another better. I think it is the most expressive sport, where you express who you are. And when you play, you can play a pickup game. You know, in a rec center or, you know, here where I used to play in the Woodlands, I, you know, just pick up games outdoors. And you would almost know people by the way they play. You know, you know who they are and what they're like. Uh, it's the most poetic of sports. You know, if you look at a third baseman, picks up a ground ball, throws to first, his his throwing motion, most of them are pretty much the same. Not, not entirely, but... You can't just express your personality in the way you throw out a runner. Basketball is by far the most expressive of who you are. Um, And I like that about it. I liked it when I was on the court, and I like it now that I watch other people on the court.
0: Coming up, how different have some of the coaches been throughout the years for your Houston Rockets? Rudy T during the championship era, Jeff Van Gundy during the T-Mac and Yao era, Mike D'Antoni during the James Harden era, then Steven Silas most recently, how different have some of those coaches been, and then who are some of the best players that Jonathan has had the chance to interact with on a day-to-day basis, we're going to get there in just one moment, first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season's kicking off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season along, because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every single victory along the way. That's right, every single victory. Right now, we can go take a look at some of these Super Bowl 58 outright betting favorites. The Kansas City Chiefs, the faraway leading favorite at plus 600, Philadelphia Eagles at plus 800, Buffalo Bills at plus 900, and then rounding out the top five, you have the Bengals and the 40. Niners at plus 1,000 a piece. The Houston Texans way down there in the rear at plus 18,000 to win the Super Bowl. But hey, if the Texans win games during the regular season, you get those bonus bets that you can use on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, where we're going to dive back into our conversation with Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Chronicle how different are things kind of now as you've been navigating that you mentioned before you did your personality <laughs> test before computers were even a thing, number two, pencil, all that, how different have things kind of changed and evolved over the years that you've been covering the rockets from when you started and you weren't even, you weren't originally on the rockets beat back when they won, when they went back to back, but you've been on the beat for over 20 years now. So just how different do things feel now compared to the journey along the way? I yeah. guess?
1: Well, when they won the, championships, I was just, I was one of the the sidebar writer guys. Eddie Sefko was the beat writer. And I'd come to the game, write a story as fast as I could type and Hey, I'm done. Uh, so that's, I go back to the mid nineties and, you know, traveled uh, in the playoffs and all that kind of thing. And then I became the beat writer in 98, 98, 99 season. And so that is before the internet. It's certainly before Twitter or whatever we call it now and other social media and so you would you know your story your coverage would be in that day's newspaper and people would see it when they'd walk out their driveway and pick it up as i'm sure the rocket players still do you know walk down in their in their (laughs) robe and slippers sure thing sure thing pick up the newspaper and so it was very different i mean there were times where you'd have stories in a two newspaper town and when i was in dallas and it was a flat-out newspaper war. You, I there was one story. I heard several stories I could think of, where we would wait until the newspapers would be delivered at four or five a.m. and get one out of the box to see if the other paper had it. And you know, your deadline would be in the evening. And whenever you get it in, you get it in. Now. It's all day. When I write my first story after practice, I usually do, as you know, you've seen me go sit right down right there so I could put something in so we could have fresh copy at HoustonChronicle.com and then maybe do a more complete story as the day goes on. But you try and get something in constantly uh, during the season. I'm not now, but during, you know now we do podcasts talking about our careers instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of the rockets, or yeah, the you, NBA.
0: you're the content now, Jonathan. Again, look, look, you're you're my you're my like gerbil in all of this. So if this if this flops, I'm going to blame you, Jonathan. It's going to be well, your feel fault. Feel
1: free. <laughs> it's the dog days. I know you're desperate, and I'm happy to help with that. But that's very different. Where there weren't podcasts, then there was one way to consume coverage, and how you provided that coverage was very different. And then the other thing that. Uh, is an anachronism almost as much as that. And some of it is I was more the player's age 25 years ago and almost 30 years ago that you, I, you go have lunch, go to dinner on the road, see now my predecessors would even travel with the team and stay at the same hotel and hang out in the lobby of the hotel. That's a little before my time. But when I first started... You know, it would well in the Rockets case, they were working out in those days at West Side Tennis Club. And after practice, I'd go upstairs for lunch in the lounge they had up there. And a lot of times players would come upstairs for their lunch and sit down with you. And just it was different. Or locker rooms were always open. And you talk to players way more rather than just interview them and talk about non-basketball things. You know, I remember Austin Carr telling me how they made some music video or Melvin Cato giving me crap about some vintage car he was buying. And yeah, this is the car you learned to drive on, right? (laughs) You know, now it's like we do this some. And the Rockets locker room the last year was really good, but not like the old days. And in fact, when I would praise a guy like KJ Martin for how easy it was just to talk about whatever, you know, talk about last night's game. That had nothing to do with the rockets, but you know, we both watched. I would say, yeah, it's like the old days. He's like an old days guy because that's how it was then. It was almost everybody. the the guy who wasn't that way would be the exception. Now the one caveat of, of that is when I started as the beat guy, you had a came, you know had Charles. These were the greatest guys in the world to cover. Uh, now it was more that way back then. But of course, uh, you know, the great Sam Smith line where he was uh, Sam Smith, legendary writer, Chicago Tribune, was written on the Bulls website for many years now, uh, wrote the Jordan Rules. He was president of the Basketball Writers Association. And he was talking to uh, the commissioner about some of the problems of access. And one of the things he said, now this goes back to the Rudy T, Carol Dawson era. But one of the things he said is, look, We can't all work in Houston. That's how good it was to cover the Rockets when I started. So obviously starting with Rudy T and those guys, I was very spoiled.
0: Coming up, we'll continue our conversation with Houston Chronicles' Jonathan Fagan in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day, every single day, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. You mentioned Rudy T a couple times there. I'm curious in your eyes, who was the most... I don't, I don't know if I want to say interesting or challenging. I don't know how I want to kind of preface this question, but just you've covered your fair share of coaches, you know, from Rudy T to why am I blanking Jeff Van Gundy, Rick Adelman. I'm going through all of them. Um, Why am I blanking? Kevin McHale. There we go. Mike D'Antoni, Steven Silas, and now Emeo Doka. So how, I mean, maybe some of just how different are some of these guys from one another in, in the capacity that you deal with them and interact with them on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, in terms of pure cooperation and helpfulness, there's a reason the basketball writers award that goes to the most cooper the coach who best combines cooperation and excellence. That award is called the Rudy Tomjanovich Award. There's a reason for that. And I, I was really happy to have something to do with the making naming it that and I got to be the guy to call Rudy and tell him, hey, we're naming the award after you. And so, obviously, that's the bar. Now, D'Antoni was the same way. D'Antoni was as accessible as it can be. Although the funny thing about Rudy, you go back to the Rudy days, which is early cell phones. Rudy thought a cell phone was a portable answering machine. (laughs) Uh, You'd leave a message, and he would call you back. But I don't think he ever picked it up. He would get the message, go find a landline, and give you a call. But this is a long time ago. But D'Antoni was very much like that, not the cell phone part, but the cooperation part where, and Rudy you could just talk to also, because he goes way back to that. D'Antoni was very much that way. I I often tell the story, we're in Minnesota, and I don't remember what happened to the game, uh, but nobody asks a question but me. And Tracy Hughes, the outstanding media relations director of the Rockets, sorry if I got her title wrong, vice president of communications, whatever. But she says at one point, does anybody have anything else? And I said, well, yeah, I got to ask questions for my off day story, but I haven't thought of one yet. And so uh, Tony said, well, and we're on camera, live, the post-game broadcast. Well, when you think of one, just give me a call. Well, the Minnesota writers who were watching this nearly fell over because the idea of Tibbs saying that, or 90% of the coaches saying, yeah, when you think of it, just give me a call. The postscript of that story is, I ended up thinking of one. This is when Ty Lue and Steve Clifford had to take a leave of absence that season for stress, anxiety, stress. They had to take a few weeks off. So I thought, oh, I'll ask Tony, how do you deal with it? What do you do to stay sane? We ended up talking for about 45 minutes on the record and another 45 minutes just chatting. That's how great he was to cover. Uh, and just whatever you need, he it was, it was great. Uh, obviously, Stephen Silas was phenomenal in, in unbelievably trying circumstances, Uh and he was that way, too. You could call him, you know, whatever you need. You got it. Uh Van Gundy would fill you up. You'll know, fill up the notebook, we used to say. And in fact, when he left, and I've mentioned it to him a few times since, I said, oh, great. Now I got to start doing my own job. Because with, with Van Gundy, if you didn't have an idea, and we were doing notes, packages, and stuff then, and you didn't have ideas, that's ah, all right. You can just talk and he'll fill it up like he did for a living for all those years. Uh, yeah, there's the a reason
0: air. he became a, a broadcaster.
1: So there you he go. He was practicing on us. Yeah. And now there were times he could be difficult, but he was very generous and helpful to me. But uh, yeah, he was great for that. And the funny thing is, the way it worked, they would do availability with players after practice upstairs on the Rockets practice court. And then you'd go downstairs in the hallway outside the coaches' offices, and eventually Van Gundy would come out, and that's where he would talk to you. Well, what he was, and sometimes, my gosh, you'd stand in that hallway for an hour. Well, what he was doing, he was reading the clips from all over the country so that whatever you might ask, you know, that call at the end of the Lakers game last night, whatever, he would be prepared to answer it. And that's why we were standing in the hallway so long. Uh, so in a different way, and it was pretty cool too, that every now and then I'd need him for something, I'd call him. And he would call me af- at the end of his work day. Van Gundy was and is big walker. He he walks for exercise. Well, he would walk around Toyota Center, around the concourse. Well, he'd call what on his walk. And he'd start off kind of just talking the way you and I are. And after a while, he'd get more and more worked up. <laughs> he can't even remember a place. He'd just keep going and getting more out of breath and angrier, it was great. He would vent for an interview.
0: That sounds, I, you know, to to interact with JVG in that capacity, um, I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to circle back because I've tried to reach out to JVG a couple different times to see if he would come. on. I, I know he's still Houston based, and I, I need to figure out a, a maybe I'll send him a smoke signal or something because I scooped his phone number a while back and he's just straight ghosted me since then. So we'll see we'll see if I can maybe get him on the show here in the uh, not so distant future, but. I know you've mentioned you mentioned that Hakeem guy momentarily earlier. He's he's pretty good. Um, who are some of your favorite players that you've had the opportunity to cover?
1: Well, Hakeem sets a very high standard. I have some favorites I will get to, but I'll I'll do another quick story. This one's Hakeem. Uh Hakeem's thing, he would thank you at the end of every interview. No, no, thank you. Every interview. I used to do a better Hakeem imitation, <laughs> but uh he would Thank you. So we're in New Jersey, and I don't know what was going on, but all the New York writers wanted Akeem. And so they were going to come over the bridge and go to the Nets game. And they each individually asked me, does Akeem talk pregame? Well, because some guys don't. As you know, Akeem, Well, my answer to them was, not only will he talk, he will thank you at the end of the interview. To, get out of here, no way late night, we're getting out of there it's about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning we're ready to leave and one by one, they all interviewed him individually, they didn't do a scrum because, you know, the competition level in New York, they could never share in those days, I think they probably would now, but they each individ- interviewed him individually, they each came up to me before they left, he did he thanked me you can't, I couldn't believe it. Every time. That was Akeem. Uh, so obvious. And Akeem and I used to also get to talk, just talk for a long time. And that was really nice. Charles was unbelievably great. He, he, the thing about Charles, that he doesn't like people to know, he is a great guy. He was a great teammate, a great person if you're a friend. Uh, great to go have drinks with, I can tell you. Uh It's funny, too, because he would pick up every check. He would, like, fight to pick up checks. I had times I didn't know he was in the building and he picked it up. Like, he was in some room in the back, and you'd go to pay, and they would say, no, no, uh, Mr. Barkley saw you come in. He picked, oh, my gosh. But if you picked one up, he would make everybody stop talking to say, now everybody, Jonathan, shut up, shut up, Jonathan picked up this So that was him. Uh, and he was great in the locker room. His pregame routine was to sit, talk to the media for 45 minutes, and then kick you out. and say, get out of here! You know, I can't talk to you, and then do it again the next night. You know, so he was unbelievable. Uh, Luis Scola was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Yao Ming, you could never ask for a better guy to be around every day. Uh, Unbelievably generous with his time. Funny. He'd be great, you know. There was a uh, uh, his rookie year was insane. Yao Ming's rookie year, there were FM DJs and weathermen and people coming out to shoot around to talk to this Yao guy, and people would ask unbelievably stupid questions and try and stand up on a chair next to him, and he was just courteous. And there was one time, actually, I think it goes back to Seattle. I think he, I think he played in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, I said, what's the weirdest thing in one of these pregame sessions you had? And in those days, Yao spoke no English publicly. He would talk to you individually, but not on the record on camera. But when he joked, it was better when he said the English. So he looked both ways, pointed at my credential and my picture. Funniest thing, this picture (laughs) pointed at me that was Yao. Yao Yao had a great or there was one in Minnesota. I found out the Rockets had a team meeting and Yao shot first. Thibodeau had a thing that no one on the court with Yao because he didn't want him to ever step on a ball. So he shot first. He's back in the locker room. It's just me, him and Colin Pine. I said, so what was the team meeting about? And Yao looks this way and he looks the other way. And he leans way forward, leaving Colin Pine, the translator, way back in locker. And he says, I don't know. I don't speak English.
0: <laughs>
1: That's. Oh man. It, it, it does
0: seem like Yao's sense of humor would be fantastic in that type of setting. Just the kind of guy you want, you you would enjoy cracking jokes with it, it, you know, in a scrum or just little, those little side conversations, like you said, because it is kind of disappointing these days where it can feel a little impersonal at times when, you know, we own, we see these, these players for a majority of the time in just a very formal interview setting. I know that we get a little bit more locker room face time this past season. You mentioned KJ, KJ was always fantastic. He'd always always chat us up and just be sitting in his locker. And he would initiate conversations with us, which I thought was really cool, right? Like we'd be just standing there waiting for it to do our jobs. And he would bring stuff up to us and be like, did y'all see this? Or did y'all know about this? And we'd just start talking with him. And those types of interactions are always really, really fun. That's going to do it for part one of our conversation with Houston Chronicles, Jonathan Fagan. We went a little overboard on our conversation, so I had to splice it up into... Two separate episodes, so this was part one. Be on the lookout for part two, dropping them simultaneously so they'll both be available. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.